Support for this podcast and the following message come from Georgetown School of Continuing Studies, offering online degrees designed to fit your schedule. All hours, all Georgetown. Learn more at scs.georgetown.edu. Welcome to Pop Culture Happy Hour. I'm Linda Holmes, and it's Marvel time again. Specifically, Thor Ragnarok, directed by Taika Waititi. You know our regular panelists, Stephen Thompson is a writer and editor for NPR Music. Hey, Stephen. Hello, Linda. And Glenn Weldon is with us. He writes for NPR.org. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Linda. And with us this week in our fourth chair is the co-host of the Code Switch podcast and the woman who once spoke glowingly about Taika Waititi at our live show in L.A., Shireen Marisol Miraji. Hi, Shireen. <laughs> What's up, Linda? I heard that you guys have a live show next Friday, November 10th in Chicago. We do. I'm all nerves and anxiety, as, you know, I always am. But our special guest is Hari Kondabolu, and he's going to make everything good Mm because he's funny. He's a comedian and writer. Podcast lovers probably know him as the co-host of Politically Reactive with W. Kamau Bell. Mm -hmm. Well, he's been working on this documentary about Apu, Apu, which is the character on The Simpsons for the last five years. It's coming out this month. We're going to talk about it and his complicated feelings about The Simpsons on the live show. Because, you know, he loves The Simpsons. He credits The Simpsons for inspiring his comedy. But on the other hand... Growing up, I had no choice but to like this. Thank you. Come again. Hey, Ganesha. Want a peanut? Please do not offer my god a peanut. And to add insult to injury... That's Hank Azaria doing Apu's voice. Yeah. So go to nprpresents.org and get your tickets. That's right. Get your tickets. That will be a great live show. I cannot wait to hear all about it. All right. So Thor Ragnarok follows the continuing battle for control of Thor's homeland, Asgard. This time he has to go up against his long-lost and very evil sister, Hela. That's Hela as in uh, Hela, great sister. There you go. Not so much. (laughs) She is played by Marvel Cinematic Universe newcomer Kate Blanchett. Also new to the franchise is Tessa Thompson as the fighter Valkyrie, who helps Thor mix it up in various ways with Tom Hiddleston's Loki and Mark Ruffalo's Hulk. Also present and accounted for are Idris Elba, Anthony Hopkins, Carl Urban, and Jeff Goldblum... (laughs) As a sadistic overlord who runs, this is the description I came up with, a sort of bloody Studio 54. Right. If it had a gladiator battle. Right. Uh, And as I said on Twitter, he's sort of a cross between Jabba the Hutt and uh, John Ralphio from uh, (laughs) From Parks Parks and Rec. Rec. There you go. So I want to hear from Glenn because Glenn has spoken to us many times about Thor and he is our comics bound guy. And Glenn, where does this fall for you in kind of the Marvel movie universe? I mean, this is, you know, this might not surprise you. This is everything I ever wanted, right? I mean, this is big visuals, big themes, big characters, big arms. Uh, I'm starting the campaign for Chris Hemsworth, left (laughs) triceps muscle, to get not only best supporting actor, but best special effect. Not because it's fake, it's very real, but Um, its effect on me was very special. Um, (laughs) But it all is suffused with this very light touch. I mean, Shireen, we'll talk in a little bit about how much you can tell that this is the guy who brought you What We Do in the Shadows and Hunt for the Wilder People and many other things. It exists, this humor, to undercut the bombastic nature of this essentially bombastic character and this essentially bombastic world. Guardians can do that. I think it's important to point out. Guardians can do that, can, Mm -hmm. can adopt this tone, 
But who cares? Because we don't know those characters, really. Yeah. Uh, they're not pre-existing. I mean, right. they're kind of sui generis. As far as most of the movie-going public is concerned, there's no risk to that. But to pivot from mm-hmm. the pretty straightforward portrayals of Thor that Hemsworth has been giving us up to now, with a, you know, seasoned with a bit of humor, to something sure. that's this flat-out comedy is, is a real risk. And mostly, I think, for me, and this might not surprise you again, Kate Blanchett's presence here, planting her feet in the center of this thing and giving us her evil Galadriel meets RuPaul performance. <laughs> right. Seriously. I, it was, it, I, I felt that performance emanating from drag clubs. Absolutely. No, it's true. It, has a, it does. Shante. It has a drag influence. I think that's for real. I'm sure I'm going to read reviews that talk, call it camp what she's doing. It's not. It's just a queer sensibility which gives the whole movie this low, steady thrum of queerness, of of something that enriches and colors and takes this film out of the realm of 14-year-old boys, which it could very easily fall into, yeah. into some place bigger, wider, funner. Uh, yeah, so I dug it. Yeah. <laughs> Shireen, you were really, uh, you are a person, you've explained to us uh, before that you're not a big superhero movie person usually. No, and actually I haven't seen any of the previous Thor films, but oh. I have seen everything Taika Waititi's done. So, right. You know, Eagle versus Shark, Boy, What We Do in the Shadows, Hunt for the Wilder People, every Flight of the Concords episode he's directed. Yeah. So that's what brought me to the movie theater to see Thor. Yeah, and how did it work for you? I really liked it. I've seen other superhero films because my husband forces me to see like the Avengers ones. Right. Okay. And I'm done within 15 to 20 minutes. Right. And this had me from minute one. It had me from that chain scene where Chris Hemsworth is kind of turning around on the chain talking to that fire lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's just a really hilarious moment in the first minute. And I was like, I'm in. I'm hooked. Yeah. And it, and it was silly and funny and charming and everything that Taika Waititi is. Yeah. And for me, the thing that's so great about it is it's really funny. I think it's the funniest of the Marvel movies for me, even more so than Guardians, which I thought was funny in a lot of places. But I think this has better jokes than that and more of them even than the first Guardians. Agreed. And yet... The stakes feel heavy. And when they go for the moments where the stakes are meant to be big and and broad and serious, I feel like it's able to recover some heft for those moments. But for me, this entire mythology of Thor and all that stuff is by its nature, and it's not wrong, but it is heavy and it is epic more Mm -hmm. than the mythology behind Iron Man or any of those guys. There is this epicness to it that has always made Thor really difficult for me to get into because there's so much with the kind of the giant planet and the big kind of it's it's so it is so heavy. I feel like they did a really good job in this movie kind of simplifying. I'm always the person who wants a simpler underlying story. I want the stuff around the story. I don't want too much plot in a movie like this. And I felt like the plot was very streamlined so that it came as close as you can get to really doing what I always want, which is just, here's the bad guy. Here's the good guy. Here's what the bad guy wants to do. And here's why the good guys have to stop them. And then from there, it's decorated with these wonderful characters like uh, Korg, who is this big dude made of rocks, voiced by Taika Waititi. Hey, and man. Hey. <laughs> uh, goodbye, new Doug. 
<laughs> Glenn really wants to do this guy for the rest of the show. He does uh, it so well. He does. There's that guy. There's this, you know, really enjoyable to me, Tessa Thompson performance, who I think she really gets a kind of a cool warrior thing. But she gets to do some slapstick. She gets to do some shtick. The other thing is, I think his sense of humor is so much about timing and that allows for options in a movie like this that you don't otherwise have because what Glenn mentioned as slapstick comes out both in kind of just one if you loved the joke in the Avengers where Hulk picked up uh, Loki and just slammed him there's a lot of that in this movie those kind of because it's unexpected, it's funny and weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. How about you, Thompson? How did this How did this go for you? I, I will confess, and I think I've said this when we've covered other Marvel movies, I have kind of a Pavlovian tuning out yeah. that goes on when there's a lot of explication of the plot and what's going on in this world and what the conflict is on this world. And this movie did such a nice job of constantly undercutting that and kind of jerking me back to attention. Somewhere along the way... Marvel just, I think, through the success of Guardians of the Galaxy and through the success, I think, of Deadpool, mm-hmm. um, has, has figured out that these movies are supposed to be fun. And it's not that Glenn the, has always said, this is so much vindication of what Glenn has always <laughs> yeah. said about superhero movies. You're supposed to go to these movies, and especially when they're like so, like summer movies. Obviously, this one's not a summer movie. Mm-hmm. But you're supposed to go in and have fun and have a good time. And it doesn't mean that there aren't heavy stakes. And it doesn't mean that there aren't there isn't a certain amount of like grandiose kind of gassy world building. Mm-hmm. But like constantly playing around with it, giving it a sense of weirdness and yeah. a sense of playfulness is so important to these movies. And it makes me look forward to them instead of like I sometimes do with like especially the DC universe kind of viewing them with a certain amount of dread well and i think the dc i think even dc you can see that wonder woman well wonder is woman a is lighter, an exception to that certainly but, but what i'm saying is wonder woman is a dc movie it still feels dc in a lot of ways to me and yet it's leavened mm-hmm. in a way that i think shows some influence of their recognition yeah boy i hope so that you want a little more of a balance than those really those Zack snyder yeah super bleak but my real uh, superhero film thesis is that different characters need to be dealt with in different ways. That's true. That's true. And I would not want them to take the message uh, away from this film as people took away from the Dark Knight films. Okay, this is how we do superheroes. No, that's true. That's true. We have to have room here. And the thing that makes this as effective as it is is because we've had films which have established who Thor is, what this world is before, and now we get to see him do a new thing. Mm -hmm. It brings a freshness to this character that we think we know. Same thing with what Mark Ruffalo is doing as Hulk. He's bringing a new thing to both Bruce Banner and a new thing to the Hulk, both of which are, they feel invigorating because it's like, oh, we haven't seen this before. This is a risk. That's what it comes down to. This was a risk to do, and I think it pays off. And to Stephen's point about tuning out, I am the first to tune out during the fight scenes. And I felt like Taika really used humor to snap me back Mm -hmm. when a fight scene was getting a little bit to that point where I'm like, okay, this is enough. And then he does something hilarious in the middle of the fight scene to bring me back to attention. It's perfect for someone like me who's not obsessed with these films. Yeah. It was interesting to me, too, that, like I said, he actually voices one of, I think, the funniest characters in the movie. The the one who kind of is constantly stealing scenes in in which he only has a couple of lines. And I thought... There's something that makes sense about that, that his humor in this movie is so specific that when you re- 
really get like the juice of it boiled down to its its absolute essence is when he's doing it himself. Yeah, the the fact that he that he kind of steals big chunks of the movie with that voice kind of reminded me of a larger point about the parallels between Marvel movies and Pixar movies. Mm-hmm. A bunch of the Pixar movies have the director voicing kind of the most scene stealing roles, you know, like like uh, Bob Peterson as as Doug in in Up, mm-hmm. for mm. example. And when you think about Marvel and Pixar and kind of graft them over each other, if you think of like the Thor movies, I tend to think of them like the Cars movies, like they're those this wing of the Pixar universe that I don't care about at all. Mm-hmm. And this is when you talk about Risk Glen, as if Cars Three had suddenly pivoted in an incredibly inventive way, mm-hmm. instead of just being another Cars movie. Yeah, I'll tell you what else I think this movie is is influenced by. I think this movie is influenced by Hemsworth and Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that if you've been watching him for a long time. You've certainly seen him be funny. You've seen him be charming. But I think the kind of straight up comedy of that hunky Ghostbusters role that he did really kind of brought out. And I have no idea what the order of shooting is. But for audiences, I think it brought out and made it easier to accept him as more purely comedic. And like you said, they all have hints of comedy in the Avengers, right? Mm-hmm. They all have have funny moments. But this for him, a good part of the time, is pretty straight up kind of comic action hero, almost like a lethal weapon or kind of one of those mm-hmm. those action comedy heroes. And I think they've discovered that more after the big joke of Thor in the first couple movies where I saw him was kind of this incredible heavy seriousness and every now and then you'd get a little poke of comedy and that was the joke Mm -hmm. was to see it kind of puncture this you know god of thunder thing and now he's kind of playing a funny charming comedic action star it's an arc i mean we have gone from the first thor film which was directed by kenneth branagh which played directly into everything branagh Mm -hmm. you think branagh brings Mm -hmm. this portentousness this gravitas shakespearean blah blah to this uh and this is totally waititi as shireen was saying because you know i I read an interview with him where he was saying he was asked so do you ever want to do like a drama and he automatically reflectively started saying yeah of course i mean like i I think someday and then he, he stopped himself and he said you know, you know what? I've just lied to you. I don't want to do. I don't want to do a drama. I, why would I want to go into a work and be sad? No, that's yeah. silly. I want to do comedy. And yeah. it's like, <laughs> it, it's interesting to me that they make the decision, and I don't really think this is a spoiler because you can see it in the trailers. But it's interesting that they make the decision to cut his hair. I think that's part of an effort to lighten that kind mm. of that epic Norse. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. The whole thing, the thorness of him, and bring him closer to being another kind of hero. If I'm going to poke at a few of the flaws, what I felt were the flaws in this movie, I think that some of what this movie does so well means that it's really flattened and minimized the entire point of several of the supporting performances in this movie. Agreed. Mm -hmm. I, I think that, I mean, Anthony Hopkins really looks like he's on a green screen yeah. 6,000 miles away from everything else that's in, happening. In, in his defense, he gets to do a little bit of uh, Hiddleston in this gets thing. To, gets to do a little, gets to do a little Hiddleston, yeah. but he, it seems like he's doing it on a green screen 6,000 yeah. miles away. Idris that. Elba, what is Idris Elba doing? Yeah. Thank you. He gets Under more to do, but useless. not enough. Underutilized. Very, very much very, underutilized. Very was there even a mic on him? I couldn't understand a word he was saying. Yeah, no, th- that's a very... <laughs> That's a very, like, people love Idris Elba, so here's Idris Idris Elba. Elba. But story-wise, there's not much of a purpose to that character, I agree. I I will say, 
I always think these movies are too long. Even this a little bit leaner, it's like two hours and ten minutes, I still would have cut out like one or two action set no, pieces. No, no. I felt like it was the I right... Disagree. I felt like it was the right length. And I definitely don't want to get out of this oh, without yeah. talking about Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. yeah. Who... <laughs> this performance is so... Somebody was pointing out the other day that Jeff Goldblum is an example of somebody who has just more and more grown into his essence and his ability to kind of use who he fundamentally is as an actor. And this performance is like, talk about peak Jeff Goldblum. I yeah. really feel like this is... My hair know. just stood up on my arm Yeah, when you said that. <laughs> it's, it is, I just got the chills when you said that because it it's is, really true. It is really... When you hear this casting announcement back in the day and you're like, Jeff Goldblum, what is Jeff Goldblum going to be doing in this movie? You know, because he's going to be Jeff Goldbluming mm-hmm. all over the place. Oh, he's yeah. just going to be just being the, the most bloom in his gold he could possibly be. But it's they really awesome. but they really play that all the way out, right? Yes. Like there's a there's oh a kind God. of a fundamental, you know, you've seen in the trailers this fight, this kind of coliseum fight between Hulk and Thor. That was kind of the joke of the early trailers. He's the grandmaster. He's yeah. the one who kind of runs that coliseum. And they could just go with that joke, right? That he's just kind of the the big bad who runs that those fights. But they kind of play it out with this <laughs> cheesy you know, there is a joke involving his spaceship. Yeah, that I was still laughing about hours later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Hella's Kate Blanchett's headdress. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of thought in the trailers it was even bigger and crazier. Yeah, and it might be just because she does have to turn her neck at some point. So I guess they have to. <laughs> but that's a pretty good special effect because it doesn't wobble. You know, yeah, you're no. just waiting for the wobble, and oh. it never wobbles because no. she just she doesn't move because she's got <laughs> the stature of a RuPaul. Oh, I I I love it. Can we talk about Tessa? Absolutely. Let's talk about Tessa. I really appreciated the fact that they cast a woman of color in that role. For real. Right? You know, she's not the buxom blonde bombshell she's supposed to be in the comics. Um, She, speaking of arc, I liked her arc. She Mm -hmm. wasn't, it wasn't all about fulfilling this unrequited love for Thor. No. She's a badass warrior. Thor is actually intimidated by her strength. Yeah. I was like, thank you. This yeah. is and, and needs, nice. And needs her. And mm-hmm. I, I yes. don't think that if there's a rescue in it, it goes the other way. It's not, she could perfectly well sit around and keep doing what she's doing. Yeah, he feels incidental to her in mm-hmm. their scenes together. Yeah, it's true. And he, and he instantly recognizes, not you are the person in need of my help, but like you are the answer to my problem. Right, right. And she's complicated. Also, I just love the character. I love how she acted it. I mean, bravo, Taika. Yeah. (laughs) Bravo, Tessa. Yeah, I get it. I did want to mention, too, our screening. I don't know exactly whether everybody's going to see this, but our screening started with this very charming little short that was Taika Waititi talking to Mark Mothersbaugh about doing the music. And it's this really charming awkward but (laughs) but yes but informative discussion about how you lay in a score to a movie like this that's this synth heavy that is this much that sounds like it belongs on the side of a van it's prepping (laughs) it's prepping you for the score which i thought was kind of cool i mean mark mothersbaugh is an interesting dude Mm -hmm. that guy has had a career yeah so was he the one responsible for picking Immigrant Song? Well, that's a good question. I I read that YTT was. Yeah, it I think was part of a, his pitch. There's music direction, and then there's right. score. Yeah. There are different things. Right. But yeah, got it. I was wondering that because it was absolutely perfect. Yeah, I'm sure the accounting department felt the <laughs> use of that song. <laughs> I 
How that, did you that do sample it? will cost us five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I mean, come on. I wanted to ask Glenn. It was like, was that song inspired by the original Marvel comic? Because it was just so perfect. We come from the land of the ice and snow. Yep. I would not be surprised. <laughs> Those were the original words. Especially the gadanga I have a new ringtone. Yeah, I did want to say one other thing, which is that I almost forgot, and I'm glad Shireen mentioned it, about the immigrant song and the lyrics, is that it's interesting to me that there is in this movie a very significant refugee story. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's an accident. I think Mm. with a guy like YTT, I think he's always thinking, and there is a lot of imagery in this movie that is about understanding the plight of refugees and yeah. it was it's not yes. heavy-handed mm-hmm. but it's there about having to flee your place that you're from in a time of crisis and war i was very interested in that and yeah. I, I don't think it's an accident at any rate thor ragnarok we liked it a lot yeah. come and tell us what you thought of thor ragnarok find us on facebook at facebook.com slash pchh or tweet us at PCHH. When we come back, it's going to be time to talk about what's making us happy this week, so come right back. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Hulu. With the largest streaming library full of your favorite reality TV shows, Hulu is the home for reality TV's biggest fans. Catch all the drama, all the tears, all the heartbreak, all the competition. Because Hulu has your reality TV. Start your free trial today. Learn more at Hulu.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor Pocket Casts. From Hidden Brain to How I Built This, from Planet Money to Code Switch, enjoy all your favorite NPR podcasts on Pocket Casts, a free and feature-filled podcasting app. And now they're offering NPR listeners even more. Try Pocket Casts Plus for three months free and take your podcast listening experience to the next level. Visit pocketcast.com NPR to redeem your trial. Welcome back to Pop Culture Happy Hour. It is time for our favorite segment of this week and every week, What is Making Us Happy This Week. Stephen Thompson, what is making you happy this week? Well, my son was recently reading The Scarlet Letter in English class, and we were talking about it. And that gave me an excuse to dust off a movie that I had long meant to actually watch, which is Easy A. Oh, yeah. oh <laughs> nice. Linda, you had recommended that movie to me years ago. I love Easy A. And I was like, well, you know, they made a movie. You know, I'm like going in and, mm-hmm. and explain to him. So we sat down down and, and watched uh, this incredibly charming teen comedy. I mean, I say teen. I use that word loosely. I think Emma Stone was probably 21 yeah. uh, when it was made. But, but it was, it's, it's early Emma Stone. It's kind of her of first big starring, yeah. big breakthrough. It's from 2010. I particularly loved the odd but warm dynamic between her and her parents. Yeah. Uh, played by the wonderful Patricia Clarkson and Stanley Tucci. Yep. Plot is the Scarlet Letter grafted over at, uh, over at high school. It's warmer than you think it's going to be. It's smarter than you think it's going to be. And it's just a, a sweet kind of knockabout teen comedy. You know, we, we every generation needs a bunch of these. Mm-hmm. And this one got a good one. Agreed. I, I love that movie very much. Thank you, Stephen Thompson. Glenn Weldon, what is making you happy this week? It's another movie. It is not warm. It is not sweet. It is The Killing of a Sacred Deer <laughs> by Yorgos Lanthimos, uh, who uh, made such films as Dogtooth, which I loved, and The Lobster, which I loved. Stars Colin Farrell, Nicole Kidman, and Barry Cogan, who played the kid on the boat in Dunkirk. Very young kid. Mm-hmm. Exactly like I think he guy's in his mid-20s. But that kid is a really interesting actor. So the the story is a surgeon uh, develops this mysterious friendship with the son of a former patient. And it's very stylized, but it's stylized in the way that Lanthimos does, which is to, it's a lack of a style. It is all done in this very flat, affectless, 
Kubrickian way. And it riffs on the myth of Iphigenia in in a way fundamentally different than the way that the movie Mother riffs on, you know, biblical themes. Sure. It's, it's just, it's weirder than that. And it's a horror film at the end of the day. Right. Uh, suffused with dread. If you are wired in a very specific way, the way that I'm wired, which mercifully precious few people are, <laughs> uh, it is just so dark and so funny, especially as the noose tightens and, and things go from bad to worse. Uh, so that is The Killing of a Sacred Deer. It's in theaters now. And uh, a movie suffused with dread. Yay! <laughs> mm, lovely. What is making Glenn Weldon happy this week? Just Thank in you. time for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Shireen, Marisol, Miraji, what is making you happy this week? So, you know, I suffer from anxiety, and thank you, Glenn. You just put that up to level 10. Yay. Um, sure. <laughs> I have a hard time sleeping as a result, and I found a new show to fall asleep to every night. It's an amazing show. It's called This Old House. Have you ever heard of oh. it? Oh, <laughs> indeed. But I'm but I'm talking about the This Old House hosted by Kevin O'Connor. He's the newish host. Um, it still has an extensive back catalog. And every time Richard the Plumber comes on, it's sleepy time for me because I guess <laughs> plumbing and HVAC and, you know, a strong Boston accent is soothing. Nice. I highly recommend it to new homeowners and insomniacs alike. Wonderful. This yes. old house. Not just the old this old house, but <laughs> With the Bob Vila. That's right. Or is it Via? It's Vila. Yeah. But the new this old house. Thank you very much, Shireen Marcel Miraji. Making me happy this week, I got a real easy one. And that is sometimes uh, in these days, I find we get very frustrated by Twitter and social media and their various problems. Mm-hmm. So I do want to talk about a lovely experience I had on Twitter, crowdsourcing my dinner uh, <laughs> one day last week when I basically said, uh, there's going to be some sausage, there's going to be some rice, and uh, there's going to be, I think, some, uh, I think there's going to be some greens. Tell me the rest of what I should put in it. And everybody gave me different ideas and they began to, to uh, sort of come together around, you know, some sort of bean and perhaps some sort of sweet potato or squash. There came to be this consensus. And then the wonderful rapper Jean Grey, who oh, is on Twitter yes. as Jean Greasy, jumped in and basically said, what? I would put all these together, several of these suggestions, make it a sweet potato hash. Uh, she made several suggestions. You can find all this in my Twitter. I'm jealous. And then she said, and put a little lemon zest with that uh, chorizo because it's going to brighten it up really nicely. And you know what? <laughs> it was one of the best dinners I've had in a really long time. Crowdsourced, brought over the finish line by Jean Grey. And it really did make me think, I'm serious about this a little bit, that you got to remember there's a lot of nice people out there who you <laughs> yes. can have fun chatting with. And if you come up with a project people want to help, it's almost stone soup, except that it was good instead of being soup made of rocks, if you know that children's story. But it was a lot of fun. You can find all of this on my Twitter timeline, uh, the crowdsourced dinner that I made one day last week. And that is what is making me happy this week and any time that I make it in the future. And that brings us to the end of our show. You can follow all of us on Twitter. You can find me at NPR Monkey C. You can follow Stephen at I Dislike Stephen. You can follow Glenn at G.H. Weldon. You can follow Shireen at Radio Mirage. You can follow our producer Jessica Reedy at Jessica underscore Reedy and our producer emeritus and music director Mike Katzif at Mike Katzif, K-A-T-Z-I-F. Happy birthday, Mike. Mike's band, Hello, Come In, provides the in and out music 
you are bobbing your head to right now. Thanks to you all so much for being here. Thank, thank you. Thank you. That was fun. And thank you, uh, Shireen, and good luck with your live show. And uh, if you have a second and you're so inclined, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more folks to find our show. And we will see you all next week.